but yes, we are on this theme of running with God. My name is Josh Dallendorf. I'm the Generations Pastor here, and I get to wrap up this series about going God's way. Now, Pastor Chris started off by talking about running from God. Last week, Pastor Jim talked about running into God. And this week, we get to talk about running with God. Now, I have a confession. I feel like every time I'm up here, I tell you something I'm not good at. Uh, so as you can tell, I'm probably uh, not the most uh, graceful runner. And I don't know how many of you are actually runners out there, but I have seasons of it. I'm definitely a seasonal runner where I know I just need to, I need to get in the mindset. I need to do it. So I'm like, every day, I'm going to run. And that works for about two weeks. And then after that, it's like, okay, uh, if I get out every other day, I'm doing pretty good. And then that happens another two weeks, and by the end of the first month, I'm like, if I get out like once this week, okay. And then by the second month, I'm like, hey, if I go for a walk, like that's my style of run nowadays. But if you are a runner, you know that there are disciplines that you have to learn, that there are practices you have to put in place, and that running is, is almost like an art form. In fact, I talked to one of our recently graduated seniors who's about to pursue um, education and uh, track and field at the next level, and we get to watch that little video now. I'm Carter again. I've been running track for about seven or eight years now. I ran at Allendale, but now I'm going to compete at the college level at Bethel University. A lot of people think of track as an individual sport, but you're also out there running for a team. And the better you do, the more points you get for the team. And so that's really just how I've always looked at it, is I'm running for the team, not just myself. You got people relying on you. You got not just the people not running with you, but you got three other guys or however many guys you're with that need you to produce and need you to do your best and they don't, and there's no room for error, like especially in a relay. You have marks on the track of where you gotta take off, where you gotta start, and if one second goes off or one thing mishaps, the whole team is let down, you drop the baton or whatever it may be. It's just, you screwed up, all right, you're done. There's no like way around it. You gotta win and you gotta run as hard as you can. When things get tough, like when you're out at practice and you got, coach says we got 400 repeats today or something tough, you know, you don't want to do it, but then you look at the people next to you and you're like, all right, we're in this together. And when you go through something hard in life, you look and you got God next to you, you know, all right, we're going to be okay. We're going to get through this together. And that's really a lot that track has taught me is that no matter what, you got someone there. Even when you don't think you have anyone there, there's people there that are going through with you. And that's exactly what God does throughout my life. And he's always with me no matter what. Carter saw track as a team sport. He knew that there are events where he is going to be running alone, and there are events that he is going to be running with other people, but at the end of the day, you are all working towards the same goal. And that goal was winning. Now, when we translate that into Scripture, if we go through the entirety of Scripture, we know how it ends, that God wins. And we are going to take today's teaching and focus on two different lenses. One is the fact that God will win. Now, there are some different things that he will win along the way. And two is that there are some, some ways that we need to grow and push ourselves, some disciplines that we need to learn in order to see that victory along with God. Now, we're going to be in Jonah today. We're going to jump into chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to give a quick little recap. Um, now, Jonah was a character we meet in the book of Jonah, appropriately named, because it was written by him. And uh, 
God gave Jonah a message because he was a prophet. Now, prophets normally speak to their people. But God said, no, you're going to go to this other group of people and speak to them. And Jonah's like, that's a little bit outside of my job description, so I don't want to do it. And he books out the rest of a boat to go the exact opposite direction until God brings a storm, knocks that ship back and forth. They don't know why. The crew members are like, okay, what's going on? Jonah says, okay, it's my fault. They ship him, actually throw him right off the boat. Storm comes fish comes. And this is the, the little iconic part where Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. Now, we see that he has this big heart-to-heart -heart with God. We talked about that last week. Fish spits him out after three days, and now Jonah starts going God's way. The, the way that God told him to go in the first place. How about that? And today, we will see what happens next. But before we jump into Scripture, one more time, would you just bow your heads and hearts before the Lord with me? Father God, this is your house. We are your people. And Lord, we pray that today you just speak. Your servants are listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart just be so pleasing to you and acceptable in your sight. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You can turn in your Bibles and follow along on the screen. Let's start in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took him three days to see it all. And on the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted into the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Such a cheery message that he has to share. Now God gives Jonah this message. And it almost seems comical that it says, okay, well, this time he heads to Nineveh. I mean, we saw how it worked when Jonah tried to do his own thing the first time. And now he ends up going to the same place where God sent him and he smells like fish. So this is a great reminder for us that God's plan will win. God's plan will win. Now, last week, Jim did a great job talking about um, what it's like to run into God. But there are times where we, um, we run into God and we start going his direction without fully following him. Like, we'll say, okay, God, uh, I know you're pointing me this way, and I'm, I'm getting there. I'm swerving a little bit, but, but we're still going the same direction, right? You know, God, um, we, we prayed this morning before we went to church. God, we're, we're sitting here right now, and there's, there's popcorn buckets in the back. We might even throw a five in there for the awestruck band. Like, God, we're, we're doing some good things. But I don't know if I'm ready to take that step for you yet. It's almost like the meatloaf song, like, I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. Jonah was totally fine being a prophet for the nation of Israel. But when God called him to step outside— and, and talk to different people and to, to act in faith. Jonah's like, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And he didn't. It was too much for him. But we see what happens when he tried to bail that God's plan still happened. And we look at verse 3 and it says that this time Jonah obeyed God's command. He understood that God's plan was going to win no matter what. That God had a message for the Ninevites and they were going to get that message. And he decided to listen. So the key that we need to learn is obedience. This key discipline that goes along with God's plan is we need to be obedient to his plan. Rarely does God use the most qualified person for the job. 
When we look at the story of Noah, it doesn't say that he was a master carpenter or a shipbuilder or anything. It just said that he was faithful and did what the Lord said. We look at Moses and he was not the greatest leader and he had his own deficiencies. He even tried to, to, to push against what God was saying, but God said, hey, look, you're going to do this for me and I'm going to give you help along the way. We look at Mary and she was just an unwed teenager before the angel spoke to her and gave her this message and her response was so beautiful. It says, I'm a servant of the Lord. And now we see Jonah who already ran from God once, but God has this message and Jonah is obedient this time. Now, maybe you have a past that is spotted with, with addictions. Uh, maybe you have some abuse. Maybe you've been a victim of abandonment. You have a disability or a deficiency. Maybe you haven't had any big mess-ups, but you've just used your life for the way you've wanted it. How is God calling you into this next step of obedience to be disciplined in that way? How is he saying... I know you have a past, but my plan for your future is good. Stop running from God and start running with God. Stop making excuses and start listening to what he is saying. Listen to his message and go do it. And we pick back up in scripture in verse 5, and it, it starts so beautifully and says this. The people of Nineveh, they believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. And he dressed himself in burlap and sat in a heap of ashes, which doesn't sound fun. And then the king and his nobles sent this decree to the city. No one, not even animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. And who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back the fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the judgment, the destruction that he had threatened. Now Jonah's obedient and he shares this message. And now this was a very scary message for Jonah because of two things. One, the people of Nineveh were known as a bad crew. Like Jim said, um, this was now present day Iraq. They were like the great, 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 add a couple more greats in there, grandparents of ISIS now. So they knew what it was like to torture. They knew what it was like to win. This was a scary place. They had massive walls. It was a big city. It took Jonah three days. So I'm sure if Jonah shared this message quicker than 40 days, he would have been destroyed. He was worried about that, I'm sure. But also for a prophet, in the job description of a prophet, if you shared a message and it didn't come true, that was punishable by death. So either way, it sounds a bit like a lose-lose for Jonah. But I'm sure he was thinking the whole time, well, I have to do this. God brought me here. I have to be obedient. But also knowing Jonah and the way that he reacted to things, I could see him just like walking up after three days, finally hitting the town square, finds a big crowd, shares the message, and then like, okay, see you later. And then just walks out. Because this is something where Jonah only said eight words. In the Hebrew, it ends up being like five or six words. But the whole nation changes. Like, what if I just came up here and gave you eight words, and then the worship team started out? But the nation 
changed. Not because of what Jonah did. Nothing, nothing, nothing of what Jonah said, but everything of what God said through Jonah. Jonah was just an obedient vessel in this moment. And this is a great reminder that God's message will win. The message of God will win. And we see that because the Ninevites not only believed in God, not just said, okay, well, yeah, God could bring judgment. But they also changed their actions This message went all the way up to the king and he puts this decree out to Nineveh and says, one, you have to fast. No eating, no drinking. Next, wear your mourning garments. And these were like cloths that were made out of like goat hair, so it's not even the most comfortable thing. But when you put these on, it's almost a sign of turning away from the comforts and the the joys that you have in life in an act of repentance. Turning away from worldly comforts and focusing on the simplicity. And then... He says, not only that, but your animals can't eat or drink too, and your animals have to wear this. Like, I can't imagine being a farmer at this time, hearing this decree, like going out to my field and saying, okay, how am I going to put this little thing on a sheep? But still, he calls not just for the people, but also for the animals. And then he goes one step further and then says, I know you're showing that you're sorry, but now change. Stop your evil. Stop the things you've been doing in the past and totally change your ways. Because... He doesn't do this as a business transaction. He's not saying, well, if we change, then God will save us. He says, who knows? If we change, just maybe, maybe God will change us. God will change his mind. That is just an act of pure repentance to say, God, I don't care what happens next, but I realize I messed up and I'm sorry. Sacrificing, putting to death old ways and submitting to the gospel. And that brings us to our next point, that there is a sacrifice that happens when we say, God, your message, not mine. The people of Nineveh, they had to turn from their old ways. They repented, they sacrificed. And in verse 10, it says that God does change his mind from the destruction that he had threatened with them. Now, the first week of this series, Pastor Chris had talked about how it could be easier just doing your own thing just running your own way. It could be easier. Hear it. Easier, not better. Because once again, if we're playing the long game here, easy does not lead to the right place. But when we hear the message, the true message of the gospel, it should lead to life change. It should push us to the next step. It should lead us out of our comfort zones because basically when we sit and say, God, I hear your message, but I like where I am. You're saying, God, I am comfortable. But there's also another group where sometimes we don't talk about them enough. The group that says, okay, things are getting tough. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out now. Or, or things are starting to get serious. I'm gonna leave. There are also people who God is putting them in a season where they are going to grow and learn. And they are so flighty, they go everywhere and everywhere and everywhere that they don't just stay in one place long enough for God to say, stay and listen to what I have for you. Now, I want you just to pause for a second and just listen. What is God trying to tell you? And whatever that message is, not your message, but his message, be faithful in sharing. We jump into chapter 4 and and we hear what happens after Nineveh receives this message and and believes it. 
And I wish that we could make this into a whole separate sermon, but, but this is one where I encourage you just to read it on your own and go deeper in Scripture and start at chapter 4, verse 1. It says this. The, this change of plans greatly upset Noah, and he became very angry, and he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say this before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran to Tarshish. You knew that. You, I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God. You're slow to anger, and you are filled with unfailing love, that you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? I want to pause for a second right here, because doesn't this just sound so childish for Jonah? Think about this. Jonah, why are you upset? Because God is merciful. Because God is compassionate. Because God cares about his people. God saved the Ninevites just like he saved the people on the ship. Just like he saved Jonah. We are all sinners in need of the same grace. But for God to call out, or for Jonah to call out God for saving people who is in the nature of God himself— I'm going to summarize this next part. Basically, Jonah goes off to the hill and just sits outside of the city and pouts and waits because maybe God will change his mind and bring destruction again on the people. And Jonah wants a front row seat. And while he's doing this, God brings a leaf over his head, brings some shade, protection. Jonah loves it, falls asleep. And then God also brings a worm to eat this leaf. The next morning when Jonah wakes up, he is so mad again because now that leaf is gone. And we pick up in verse 9. And God speaks to Jonah again. Then God says to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry that the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. Even angry enough to die. I feel like he's like that little whiny child. Like, yes. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about that plant. That you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all their animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? God leaves it at that question. Want to know something sad? When we tell the story of Noah, or of Jonah, excuse me, we talk about how he was swallowed by a big fish, how God protected him. We don't talk about Jonah as the man who gave a message that changed an entire city, that over 120,000 lives turned to God and God saved them from destruction. We don't see Jonah as this amazing prophet. We see him as the runaway prophet. God's kingdom will win. God's kingdom will win because God's kingdom is bigger than you. God's kingdom is bigger than me. And sometimes we just need to get over ourselves. Sometimes we need to, to get uncomfortable. Sometimes God removes our protection for our protection. Because you're saved, you might be saved. But just because you might be saved or you are saved doesn't mean your neighbor is saved. It doesn't mean your coworker is saved. It doesn't mean your parent or your child is saved. And that should make you feel uncomfortable. Sometimes we need to get uncomfortable with the gospel. And I'm praying right now that God puts you in an uncomfortable position this week where someone is just searching for truth and you are smack dab in their path and you can't help but share the gospel. What are you going to do? Now Micah 
It says, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. How is he calling you to do that in your homes, in your, your workplaces, at school, in your community, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing online? How are you doing these things? Because there's a lot of justice that needs to be shown in our world. And there are people who don't have a voice that need someone to speak up for them. How are you filling in that gap? There are people who just need mercy or need a mediator to step into a situation. How can you be that person and fill in the void there? And then, there's a world that doesn't need to see how good you are, but they need to see how great and loving our God is through an outpouring in you and out of you into your communities, your schools, your families, wherever you go. The church is not about building our kingdom. It is about building God's kingdom. And in order for you to do that, you need to learn humility. We need to say, God, I can't do this, but I need you. Now, when I first moved from Buffalo to West Michigan, there was a, uh, a big void in my life. Um, because y'all have Bigby here. And I had a Tim Hortons at every single corner in Buffalo. And when I uh, heard that Allendale, little Allendale, Michigan, was getting a Tim Hortons, I could hear the hallelujah chorus behind it. Like, I knew that that was going to be such a great place. And I was there the first day, multiple times. Uh, when, when that place first opened within that first year, I was there, like, all the time. It became, uh, at Life Stream, we like to call places our third place, which means it's a place where we can be in our community and experience God in that way. And Tim Hortons was my third place. I would have meetings there. I would do work there. Sometimes I would just, just not do work there, too. Um, but one day— um, I was sitting in my usual spot, which is right by the fireplace. There's three chairs. I would sit in the one where I could have a view of both doors so I could see who was coming in. If I noticed someone, I'd buy him a coffee. I'd, you know, sit and chat with people. And one day, an older gentleman who was just very well put together walked up to me. The whole restaurant is, is basically open, but he says, is, is anyone sitting here? And I'm like, no, but okay, go for it. And, and he, he sat down and, you know, knowing me, I probably had headphones in. I'm dressed just like this and just kind of chilling there. And, and we started having a little casual conversation. Just asked about the weather, asked about little things here and there. Nothing too serious. But then um, he started sharing about his faith and how God had been faithful to deliver him from things, how he had experienced God's mercy. And at this point, I'm like, I'm a young guy with tattoos and piercings. Um, I, this was before I was married. I'm sitting in a coffee shop in a college town. This dude's going to evangelize. This dude's going to witness to me. So I, I just kind of listened. I sat and listened to his story. And uh, he was just, just sharing about how faithful God had been to him. And he finally got to the point where he had asked me. And I said, so funny story. I'm actually a pastor at a church down the road. And I love what you're doing there. Because he sought me out. And if he had any other situation going on, he probably wouldn't have sought out me. Like, I am not a person he would normally associate with. But because of the gospel, he did. And because of the gospel, he couldn't help but share. And I'm sure it was uncomfortable for him, just like it started out really uncomfortable for me. But I knew 
that God was using him in a mighty way. And if he was doing that for me, I'm sure he was doing it for someone else and someone else and someone else. And who are you doing that for? How is God making you uncomfortable? How are you being obedient to the places where he is leading you? How are you stepping in to share his message? How are you sacrificing your will to say, not my will, but your will be done? Because guess where we learned that from? Jesus before he was about to die. I pray the gospel makes you uncomfortable. And what I want to do right now, um, I want us just to bow our heads and hearts before God. And for some of you, you've never felt uncomfortable by the gospel before. And this is the first time the Spirit is moving. And if the Lord is moving through you in this moment right now, and you want to say, God, I want to get uncomfortable and show me what it means to live for you, just, I want you just to say a prayer that says, God, I've tried my own plan. God, I've pushed my message and my agenda. God, I tried to build my kingdom but it's nothing compared to yours. So Lord, right now, show me what it means to follow your plan for my life. Show me what it means to sacrifice my will so that yours will be done. I want to follow you. And if you've said that prayer, uh, we, we talked about a yellow card earlier, just let us know. We want to have a conversation with you. We want to follow up. But if you have already taken that step in your faith, then I want you to do something different. Right now, I want you to pray for a specific name of someone that you know does not know who God is. I want you to pray for a specific person right now, whether that is someone in your family, your workplaces, your community, a sports team, I don't care. Just pick a name and pray right now that God makes you so uncomfortable that you can't help but share. And in fact, we're going to go one step further and say, God, you are going to make a divine moment where that person just, just bumps into you and just so in need of the gospel that the light goes off. You're like, this is my moment I need to share. I want you to pray for that person right now. Father God, you know the name of every person that has been placed on a heart or a mind in this room, in homes, online, wherever we are watching from. You know every single name represented, Lord. And God, they are people who just need you, just like the Ninevites needed you, Lord. So we pray that you make us uncomfortable, that you lead us into situations, God, that, that you will show us when, exactly when, to bring up the gospel. And Lord, may it just hit us like a train where we have to do it in that moment, feel so compelled that we can't help but share your name. And Lord, may hearts and lives turn to you, not because of what we do, but because of your message. And Lord, in all of this, may you just be so glorified, God. And Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as is in heaven. Amen.